Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Jenny Mathiason, and I'm an objects conservator based in Rotherham in South Yorkshire in the UK. Uh, and I'm also a podcaster with The C Word, The Conservators Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Chloe Rumsey. I am an objects conservator based in Manchester in Lancashire in the UK. And I am also a podcast- podcaster with Jenny Mathiason on The C Word. Rumsey and Mathiason started The C Word podcast to broadcast their friends and professional discussions about conservation. We started talking about this thing that we wanted people to talk more about conservation. We had all these great conversations when conservators came together in clusters, you know, like conversations over tea or coffee in like a lunchroom or something. And I always wished I could share them with people and like broadcast them to other people and share them. Yeah, so it's worth saying that Jenny and I used to, uh, we studied together at Cardiff University on the conservation masters there. And then we almost immediately started working together in Cambridge in the UK also. So during that time, we were sort of always constantly chatting with each other about different conservation issues and life in general. And at the time, we were emerging professionals in in the profession. So we had the same kind of struggles and those were the kinds of times that we sort of we'd start talking about some real hot topics in conservation and think actually we should be recording this other people should get involved it's really interesting each episode features a different hot topic in the conservation world one of these hot topics that i'm interested in is photographs i like to imagine a photograph in one of two ways either it is data a digital photograph or it is an object like an actual printed photo How do you in the conservation field approach the difference and what would you like to see changed? Like you say, the data is ultimately kind of what makes it us and our stories. Conservatives are very poorly equipped to actually deal with this at the moment because we're we're very analog people as a general rule. And that's fine. That's where we've grown from. You know, it's those are our roots. But I think we as a profession now need to kind of branch out and embrace the fact that technology is something that we need to look after. I love this research that's going on in Sweden, for example, about collecting social media images and what the rights issues are and, you know, the data protection angle of it and all that stuff. I think there are really fundamental things that people always want to know about each other. It can be things like what kind of food do you eat and what do you do every day? What do you see when you wake up? And actually, we do record that now. I mean, in a way that we never did before. I mean, we do. We take Instagram photos of our food. I mean, we actually do record it. But where does that data go? Where does it go? I think I I have a... a uh, my opinion of pho- photographs is that we can we know how people's attitudes to photo- photography a hundred years ago, but we don't take family photographs anymore. We don't sort of get our best clothes on and go and stand and and have a, a professional photograph taken anymore. We do selfies with you know granddad and stuff. It's it, and then that is taken digitally it stays digital you put it on Facebook it's never printed or anything so they don't ever become hard copies for conservators to deal with they stay digital yeah it's a it's a good point because actually the sheer quantity of what we now produce in terms of content uh, on social media and stuff like that 
is immense. So it, we've gone from kind of media poverty to media overload. And I, it's very interesting to watch how we're going to navigate this because can we store terabytes of data per person? Is that how we're going to archive things in the future? Is that feasible? Uh, do we now curate things in a really specific way? Um, oh, there are so many museum challenges here. I'm just loving it. <laughs> All of this makes me think of a project at the Rwandan Genocide Memorial Center in Kigali, Rwanda, that digitized photographs of people murdered during the genocide. For episode 19 of this program, I interviewed the director of the museum, Honoré Gatera, and he talked about how people use the project as an unintended backup system. Here is Gatera talking about the project. It's one of the valuable things that survivors had on them because their personal belongings and properties were burnt or destroyed. And whoever had the photo was stick on it, and you can understand it. Mm -hmm. So we decided to have the, their originals scanned, preserved digitally, and then produce duplicates that will be displayed in a museum. And that was, for them, one of the best things we did. We have cases where those families that gave us photos because they have maybe moved from one home to another, they lost their original. And it's the only area where they come and say, can, can I have a copy of my photo that I gave? And we give them a copy. Oh, that's amazing. That is such a good story. I suppose it's a way of looking at the saving of data and the saving of um, an archive of the way we live now in all, all over the world. If we do stuff, museums do stuff like this, then it will create more of an equality of recording digitally. Um, but I suppose in a way that there are so many parts of the world that we just don't have, that don't have access to the technology and don't have access to the, the, the sort of backup as well. There's an interesting way that a contemporary aspect of privacy for example, that we must protect ourselves from companies like Facebook that use our data for various purposes, is at odds with the conservator's instinct, maybe a hundred years from now, to collect as much data and photographs from our time as possible. Yes, of, of course. The, the privacy, if you don't have any, if you can completely control where your records are and where your, your digital data goes, and if that is nowhere, <laughs> then, then you will be digitally invisible. If you're fairly feckless and you don't really care all that much about cybersecurity and you've got, you know, the same password for everything and your cloud is, you know, just constant and open and the, the basic version, then you're going to be the most visible. But doesn't this raise an interesting point that um, actually two things. Uh, one is that don't conservatives often lament that we don't have much from the everyday person in our collections because it all disappears, you know, like, um, so on the other hand, the representation uh, will be amazing. On the other hand, everything that anyone puts out there is actually carefully curated. It's not like you actually share every moment of your day with all these people. Um, at, at any point, we, we're sharing the happy moments, we're sharing the really polished ones, what we really want people to see. So ultimately, I think these new digital collections of ourselves from right now are actually a very one-sided story still worth telling and still worth keeping but not necessarily as well-rounded as we might think my mind worm at the moment is actually contemporary collecting and i don't mean social media stuff i'm just meaning the objects from people living now 
I feel like museums really vary in how they approach this if they're actively asking for people to bring in things from their lives and really recording their stories to go with it so I love initiatives like the new LGBT um Q plus museum that's going to open in London at some point in the future because they're really collecting things from people here and now. Um, it's called Queer Britain and it's just been announced. Uh, so they've started uh, very much asking people for uh, donations for the stories. Uh, basically, they're building a collection from scratch, which sounds amazing to me. And I feel like that's so important. We need people's stories all of the time. We need their stuff now so that we can start looking after it and, you know, recording their stories and the experiences that, that go with them. There are so many stories and I just want to keep them all. So what are the best episodes of the C Word podcast that new listeners should try? What do you say, Jenny? I think if you want to start, start at the beginning if you look at, listen to the first episode, which is demographics, then you'll hear about what types of people are conservatives and why that can be a problem sometimes. <laughs> I think I think if you if you don't know conservatives, go and have a listen to that. But there are loads of great topics that we deal with, so you know it's like a good pick and mix. This has been Museum Archipelago. If you like the show, you can support me by joining Club Archipelago. In exchange for your support, you'll get access to a new premium audio feed that guides you further behind the scenes of museums. You can join the club by going to patreon.com slash museumarchipelago or looking in the show notes for this episode. For more information or to submit feedback, go to museumarchipelago.com or museum underscore go on Twitter. Next time, bring a friend.